Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Casaza here with Chris Anderson to, hmm, I don't know, Chris. I don't know if we're wrapping up, maybe spiking the ball, if you will. The regular season? Are we kicking off the off season? Are we so deep into the off season and so far from the regular season that it's neither of the above? Um, maybe we're just here to talk about Neil Brown, which we never do that. It's funny you put it that way because when I was uploading the video from his press conference to uh, the YouTube page, you know we have playlists, and one of them is you know the 2022 WVU football season, and I was like, does this does this go there? Is this like the last one that I put in that playlist or is this the first one of a new playlist for 2023? And like usual, I hedged, played it like a weenie and put it in both. So there's your answer. It's both, Mike. It is a wrap up of 2022 or all three. It's a wrap up of 2022, a kickoff to the 2023 offseason and a discussion about Neil Brown. I think I have our answer. Yeah. It's all in limbo, Chris. <laughs> Isn't everything right now? Seems like the theme. Speaking of themes, mm-hmm. we were able to pull out a couple of talking points here that we'll talk about. Rather than go blow by blow on this, a lot of people have seen this. Uh, I looked at our view count. Mm-hmm. Healthy. I looked at just doing a search for YouTube Neil Brown and then searching it by upload date. Some competitors peers and their view numbers also healthy a lot of people put eyeballs on this one two reasons one wasn't streamed live probably know why number two a lot of reporting coming out of it on the timelines probably whetted people's appetite so you have something that you haven't heard from the football coach in a while a number of things have been happening it's not readily available People are going to go out of their way to find this, and they have. My point here is that a lot of people have seen this. We don't have to say, here's what happened in sequential order. But as we step back a day later, there are some there are some topics that probably rise to the top. Again, we're over 40 minutes in this news conference, lots of questions and answers, and to his credit, um, answered a lot of stuff as best as he could, and maybe even better than we expected, except who he's playing on his football schedule next year. That's a bummer. He knows he won't tell us. I don't blame him for that. But we're going to cherry pick a couple here that we think are most important. Um, This is not one of them. And if it's one of yours, sorry, but this is not one of mine. 
that was productive. It was informative. I don't know if it was therapeutic, cathartic, whatever, but he is good at that stuff. And it, maybe it's going to bleed into my first one here in a second. But just in general, before we get into the details, I do feel like there was a blank on the schedule. And it was ably filled yesterday. Like he covered a lot of stuff. And then the answers were not just lip service and things like that, by and large. I don't know if you feel better about it, but you at least feel better knowing that, okay, he gets this. Yeah, I think I messaged you as I was watching. Because, again, you were there in the room, so you were seeing it live. Uh, I was unable to stream it live, as you noted. I watched it on a delay later that afternoon. And I, as I was watching it, I messaged you halfway through. And I was like, I don't think anybody's been able to ask a question yet. And normally you know, the media would be upset if a coach comes in and talks for 20 minutes straight. And I think, it, you know, the the um, press conference was, what, 42, 43 minutes. And I think he talked for the first 20 and even acknowledged, hey, this can go longer than usual because I know I'm talking a lot. But that was maybe like the most productive 20-minute head coach kickoff to a press conference. Like he just just – Two or three minutes on this topic that everybody's going to ask about, bang. Two or three minutes on this topic that everybody's going to ask about, bang. Two or three minutes on this topic, bang. And, you know, discussing last season as a whole, coaching changes, recruiting additions, transfer additions, just going to hit it all and kind of wasn't afraid to answer any questions and even acknowledged right off the tip, and I'm sure we'll get to this, the play calling question that was to come. Hmm. And so I think it was, like you said, he, he did a nice job with that. It was when you are in this time of year and you are devoid of content for football, I mean, outside of recruiting and transfer type stuff like this was, this was a welcome change. I was afraid he was going to filibuster us and it was just going to be 40 <laughs> minutes of him going with no questions. I know that's all the time we have and the music plays him off into his office, but no, did get to that stuff and hit a lot of stuff right away. Um, a great speaking tactic and a, and a PR damage control, whatever you want to call it since took classes on this. I understand it. But if you talk a lot and you answer all the questions before they're asked, like, you know, what people are going to ask, but if you can address them before they're asked, you get rid of the pointed questions and maybe reporters trying to get one on you or some of the back and forth. Even. And, and I don't know if that was his goal or if he's training that, but like I was watching that happen going, oh, that was pretty true. Okay. Good. Good for him. Good for him. So he knew it was coming. He did it. That leads me to my first point, Chris. I don't know how you could sit there for that long and, and not come away with this, but he is, I mean, let me use his words, very aware, keenly aware of the score. Like he sees the scoreboard. Um, he knows what's going on right now. And I don't know how much preparation he does for these things. I don't know who's in his ear. I don't know if people send him clips, if they bookmark tweets, anything like that. But it certainly seemed that he knew a lot of the things that detractors and doubters were saying about him. He also knew the reality of, as he said many times, they have to win in 2023. I don't know if he's fueled by this and it, and it makes him mad, if it makes him more motivated, if it makes him better at his job, but just on the surface, and this could be good. We'll see, but I can also, well, actually this in another sense that maybe I still will, but him saying we have to win everything we've done the last six to eight weeks has been about winning. You know, we're in a situation where we have to win in 2023 and then going into, you know, something as simple and maybe is kind of like eye roll, but okay as the three E's, they identified problems, not necessarily solutions, but they spoke about their problems. They, he certainly, and it's not a shock, but you know, we underwhelmed here. We underperformed there. They weren't good enough. It simply didn't cut it. He, he's kind of flogging himself a little bit. I think fans need that, want that sometimes, especially they don't think the media is going to do it. In this case, they didn't get to because he did all that stuff before we could ask. 
But even if you kind of go in a roundabout sense, him continuously saying that they have to win this year, they have to be better, they have to coach better, they have to play better, they have to do this and that, as well as the other thing better. He's extremely aware of what's going on right now to the point that he says, I don't stand up here in a delusional state. I don't know if anybody's ever called him delusional, but I think if you look at some moves, some things they have and have not done, you might think, is this guy delusional? No, I am not delusional. And he addressed everything fine. We just talked about that. But thousand yards above this, you could sit there and say, okay, this guy at least knows that he's in danger. This is urgent. And it's a results-based season right now. That, to me, was extremely high volume. Absolutely, because I think Delu- I wasn't going to use delusional, but a denial, like a, he was in denial. I think a lot of people thought that people being fans, you know, are, are they in denial about where this program is going, what it's capable of, what this roster is capable of, what this coaching staff is capable of. And it seemed like Neil Brown was like, no, I, I hear and see or read. Um, like you said, who knows if he gets sent tweets or stories or whatever, but he was very well aware of what everybody thinks. He goes, yeah, because I think he even got asked about, you know, hey, basically keeping the the staff together in a lot of spots. And we'll get to that in a minute because that's one of my points. He was like, I get it. I understand it. And here's why it's going to be different. And he was prepared for it. And he knew he knew like he understood why people would think that, why fans would think that, why fans would feel that way. And like you said, was aware that, hey, I know what's going on here. I know what you think. And I know what we have to do in order for me to be here you know, a year from now. Mike one, Chris zero. <laughs> okay. You okay. ready for the first that, I mean that what you just said, him being aware of what was going on was, was up there one a or one B for me. The other part was him taking a stand on keeping the defensive coaching staff together. Yeah. And related I don't think he's wrong. And it's the same art and people are, oh, no, I, I was saying this and I, I think you might've been with me on this during the season. I don't think Jordan Leslie suddenly forgot how to coach. Like the reason West Virginia was even somewhat competitive for the first three years of Neil Brown's tenure was the defense. Now the first year uh, Leslie was just the defensive line coach, but then kind of took it from there. Uh, but that defense has been the reason. And I don't think Jordan Leslie and the guys on that side of the ball suddenly forgot how to coach. I think they struggled because of um, a personnel issue, which is a lack of talent on that side of the ball, lack of talent and experience, really. And, and so I don't think it was a coaching issue. And I and it was, I don't want to say refreshing, but it was different that a coach took a stand and Neil Brown pointed this out like, hey, when one side of the ball doesn't work or one position doesn't work, people just go around firing everybody. I guess it was refreshing. I don't know. I hate using that word because it, but that they just said, Hey, the issue was not the coaches. It was not the coaches. We just didn't have the talent. We did a bad job adding in the trip. We lost a lot of guys and did a poor job replacing them. Period. End of story. That was the reason for the defensive struggles. And if you're taking that stance and you believe it, you do keep your defensive stance, uh, defensive staff together in hopes of getting a quicker turnaround this coming season. I admired that. There is a lot of pressure, as he said, when things go bad to make a change and just to give people their pound of flesh. And that is sometimes going to quiet people. 
nothing is going to quiet people more than winning or succeeding at a level above what they had put them in that state where they want change. So in that regard, he thinks that's coming back. That's good. He also kind of talked about, um, I'll get to this in a minute here, but the, um, I think even some of his similar to this though, defense offense, I'm not going to go into this one here, but the changes on offense, he kind of in the same regard defended too, by saying this guy was a good quarterbacks coach. This guy has been our best recruiter slash assistant coach too. And like, he's not going to make changes or not going to ignore. I'm not saying that, that Chad Scott and Sean Reagan were fireable, but like they had positives. They had abilities to contribute to make things better. And then his point, again, going back to my original one here, as he said, if you make a bunch of changes, are you going to be in a better spot six, nine months from now? Maybe not. And for him, the best bet to be better next year and to win in 2023 when he has to was to go for continuity. Not popular. Certainly not popular because, as you said, people just say, hey, fire everybody. Who says that, Chris? What knucklehead gets on a website or behind a keyboard and just says, fire everybody, and puts like maybe an idea out there that they should print T-shirts and things like that. I don't know anybody like that. Do you? Not me. Okay, certainly not me either. Um, But that's a popular cry, and and he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to bow to that, and he defended why. So that's that was, yeah, that one was another one that was a very high volume to me. Linking to that, though, a lot of the plan, it's great to identify problems. Solutions will come in time. I'm not sure I heard a ton of solutions yesterday. And again, that goes to who's calling plays. That goes to what they're going to do on either side of the ball. You know, they have their three E's. Well, how are they going to be better in those areas? Okay, here's our problem. How are we going to get better? I don't know. And then at large, my second takeaway here, there's a lot of hope attached to being better in 2023 and for his plans and his changes and non-changes to work, i.e., the defense was good in 19 and 20. Well, maybe people got a beat on that defense, and maybe their rosters are better. Maybe coaches on the other side are more familiar with what West Virginia does and have better armament to combat not just West Virginia, but defenses like that. West Virginia's defense is not unique in the Big 12. You can do things to it. And if things in 19 and 20 weren't as good as they are in 2021, well, you got your arrow pointing down a little bit. I'm not saying you got to fire everybody there, but does something have to change? And if you just say we didn't change because we hope we're going to be better, not a lot of meat on that bone. You hire Blaine Stewart and Bilal Marshall because you hope they're going to be very good recruiters one day. You put Sean Reagan back at quarterbacks because you hope he can make it work like he once did at quarterback. You hope this, you hope this, you hope this. You hope you're better with explosives and efficiency and things like that. You hope that your transfer portal players are better than they were before. I'm dumbing it down here because I'm using the word hope. He didn't really say that a whole lot, but so much of his explanation process was, we believe he's going to be an elite recruiter. We believe we're going to get back to one of the best pass defense. We were a top five in the Big 12 pass defense before we can be there again. And listen, that's right. Like If they improve from bottom half to top half or bottom toward the top in various defensive categories, and this plan is going to look a lot better. Um, but it just seemed like at large, there were so many things. Um, you know, we hope we're going to get one more receiver from the portal. We hope we fill the two starting spots in the portal. We hope that our freshman can come in and play at receiver right away. We, we hope that someone no one's even talking about right now makes a leap at receiver. Like, they didn't even name a person. They just said, we just kind of hope that someone else is going to get really good at receiver. A lot of hope going on there. And then, is it just hope? No, but you just... 
you apply that to so many spots that have to be better that they don't have an idea or a thing that's proven or is leaning or bending in one way, but they hope that changes. It's kind of flimsy at this point. And maybe that's being unfair, but it just seemed to me is there are so many things that, listen, this will get better. This has to get better. This can't be as bad. This can't repeat itself. And we sure hope it doesn't. We sure hope it won't. And you think you'd like to have a little bit more momentum, a little bit more evidence that a change is coming in those various areas. I'm with you, but given the given the fact that I don't want to I don't want to say the portal situation was bad so far, but mm-hmm. you're look, you know, they they haven't made the move. You know, last year it was, hey, you got JT Daniels and Graham Harrell. Now we know in hindsight that didn't work out. But when it did happen, that was the the shining light that was going to help lead West Virginia out of the darkness. Now, I think the guys that they've added by the transfer portal are solid. I think they fill holes that were left by the guys that departed the program. Um, but are they JT Daniels? Are they a former five-star quarterback that has the potential to change your entire offense? Are they an offensive coordinator who has shown an ability to have an offense that scores 30, 40 points a game? No. And so, yeah, I think it is coming down to, hey, take a leap of faith here and just hope that you know the addition of several solid players with some improved luck, I guess, like, you know, injury luck and departure luck might help this program get back on track, but it's asking a lot. But again, if you try, if you try to sell, Hey, we were uh, five and seven last year and we didn't really add anybody amazing. And we lost a few guys to the transfer portal, but we're going to go nine and three. Like nobody's, nobody's going to listen to you. So I, I think as tough it is, as tough of a sell as it is to just say we hope to get better in eighteen different places, that's off. That's the most realistic option as well. Yeah, and to go to his staff too, like not to single out Bilal Marshall and Blaine Stewart, but what is he going to say? Like we all know those guys lack the experience and the credentials, but you can't just say, "Well, yeah, you're right. They've never done this before. They're going to have to do this and this." But like if you point out, he was one of the best young coaches I've ever been around. Um, he has a lot of connections and really knows how to teach pros. I'm talking about Marshall and Stewart respectively there. There's ways you can you can interpret that and go, oh, okay, actually this could work. That doesn't make sense. So that's that's a way of he never said I hope they're good, but he's just saying that like the idea is this person who I observed in this environment before is back. And if you give him the full time keys and he can go off campus and recruit and he can do regular coaching year round like Marshall, that should be fine. And hey, we went to Pittsburgh and we watched them uh, actually I guess St. Vincent that would have been up there too and some of the preseason stuff and watch Blaine Stewart work with grown adults in the NFL if he can handle that he should be able to handle receivers they've never done this before however there is an angle you can look at this and say okay this will work that was kind of what they're doing now is that hope yes and no I guess but you're, you're really projecting and asking people to buy into that a lot and again maybe maybe he's good at that maybe he had to do that and maybe it worked but it just seemed to me that there was so much of that out there that they, they really have the work cut out for them. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the next thing you got on your list, Mike? Will be your turn. Oh, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. I'm up to one. Okay. Um, here's another big thing: him discussing the promotion of Chad Scott. Yeah. And this was something you and I discussed. And I was beginning to wonder: Is Neil Brown an avid listener of the Country Roads Confidential podcast? Because we made the same defense of the of Jordan Leslie, and we made the same. I guess promotion of Chad Scott as offensive coordinator that he had earned it, that his position on that side of the ball, I talked about how on defense, the one unit that was the strongest was defensive line. And Jordan Leslie got promoted and promoted and is the coordinator on the offensive side of the ball. The position that is the strongest right now and has been the best over the last couple seasons is running back. Chad Scott should get the similar promotion as Leslie. Um, and he kind of stood up there and stood by, Stood stood by his man, if you will, and, and and really dug in his heels on why Chad Scott deserved that spot, and and pointed to the way the players reacted to him getting that that position and that promotion. They're good at that. I mean that that social media stuff. It makes some sense, I guess. Um, ultimately, do you want your coach to be popular? Sure, but is he popular because he's been around a long time, or he's done it and they've had results? That can change over time. Neil Brown is Tammy Wynette listening to our podcast. It's a pretty interesting idea, by the way. He's playing some country music and listening to us. Um, should we go into the other part about the play calling? Yeah. It's not my third one, but I'm, it's, I'm assuming it's related. Know. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate it. We we kind of figured that the, the bottle was going to point at Neil Brown at the end. He didn't come out and say it right away, but I also like him saying, like, I don't know right now, and it could be Chad Scott. Uh, listen, absent results. I have no idea what Chad Scott can do as a play caller. I have no idea. I don't know how anybody could. Um, he might be good at this. I can remember many, many years ago when they promoted Tony Gibson, the defensive coordinator, and he had this resume. You're like, wait a minute. Like, he knows his 335. He knows the conference he can recruit. Players really, really like him. And I just remember writing a story being like, hear me out here. What if it works? And you're going to get people who will ultimately argue how well it worked. But I don't think people are going to say it didn't work. Like, it worked. He was good at it. And then he's gone on to really good success at NC State. Chris, what if it works here? Like, you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know right now. And Brown's in a situation where he didn't have a whole lot of other buttons to press and levers to pull. So he broke the glass and he grabbed Chad Scott. And if that empowers your running back room and puts a guy who knows that that part of the offense, the run game, the running backs, into a position where he could – push the buttons and pull the levers for the most talented, deepest, maybe most explosive, most effective, whatever, the best part of the offense that could be good, but you don't know. So you give them the spring and say, Hey, you're going to, you're going to run the plays and some scrimmages and some live stuff. And we'll, we'll see how you do. And if you're not good at it, I'm here. I got you. I've been a good play caller before. I don't know if that's the best idea overall. It's the best idea probably at his disposal right now. Um, I don't know that it's going to work, but I don't hate it right now. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we knew we weren't going to get a straight answer. Like, 
whether they whether they knew the answer or not, we were not getting a straight answer um, on on Monday. But I'm with you. I think <clears throat> you don't know what you don't know with Chad Scott, like you said. And I, I I wouldn't mind rolling the dice. But there was that one comment by Neil Brown where he was discussing it and then just kind of alluded to the fact of, hey, you know, I've been calling plays for a long time. Last year was the first time I didn't. And that makes me think, as any normal human being, as any normal coach would, he wants it. He still wants to call plays. So I'm curious what happens this spring. I I, I feel like it's possible, like, Chad Scott gets the reins, like the play calling reins, all throughout spring football. And Neil Brown's going to use that time to evaluate what he's calling and when um, in a lot of those, you know, 11-on-11 live balls or, or or whatever and then seeing how it goes seeing if they he at least jives with what chad scott's calling and if that offense is working but is there a you know point of no return a point here where they have to make a decision like is it after spring ball can you push it all the way up into fall camp you have to make it halfway between spring ball so you can get some spring ball work with whoever is truly calling the plays for the fall I wonder how it's going to work. It's a great spring football talking point. Like we'll probably get to see some scrimmages. They're pretty good at that. And then we can evaluate the quarterback play, the running back play, receivers, offensive coordinator. Oh, that's a new one, right? You don't really evaluate the offensive coordinator in spring football scrimmages, but that seems like it's part of the audition right now. It's like, like Nico Marchio is, is like the, the, the hired hand up and comer, Chad Scott, Neil Brown's Garrett green. Got a chance. Couldn't stay in the field, right? It's kind of a weird thing right now. And then now he's back in the saddle, maybe. So that's going to be a fun dynamic for the spring. We'll see how we plumb this with our stories and the media and everything, too. But uh, if I if I can kind of combat one thing with you here, Chris, like we didn't think we get a straight answer yesterday. And we we didn't, didn't. But like, I want to say, like, that was a lot more than I was expecting. Like, I, I really could have figured that he would have been very vague about that and not said that, like, spring football is about Chad Scott earning the right to call plays from me. And I, he could have been like, well, you know, we have we have a bunch of guys that will get together in the spring and we'll put together what works best. And it could have been a whole lot of words and a jumble. And we would have been like, what the heck was that? Um, we don't have a definitive answer, but at least we see the road like he, he cleared the brush and, and showed us how to get out of this like this cloud of words we thought we were going to get. And it was to me, it was a suitable answer. And that was fine. Like, again, I, I don't know what's going to work. I don't hate it, though. I think it's a good idea. And like, why would you why would you anoint Chad Scott right now with all the I don't knows when you have an opportunity to actually know when you can take out the don't in the middle and you can get out of spring football and say i know that's my guy um i, I think it's fine that hadn't even occurred to me before and again that's that's one reason i'm here on this side of the microphone and, and he's there on that side of the microphone and um his salary is many times larger than mine too final one from me it is my turn right yeah okay the offense the direction of the offense here we are talking about the coordinator we think it's going to look a certain way i was never thinking it was going to be you know wishbone 80 20 wing T stuff. Although, again, if you give me time, I could talk you into the wing T for sure. But what was it going to look like? And Brown did kind of pull the left, pull the, the curtain back a little bit here and said that, listen, we're going to have two backs in the field a bunch. He said that they're going to have to get into what do you call it? Not play action, um, uh, run action passes. I like it. Something new, right? Going to have to incorporate their tight ends vertically. Going to need speed on the outside. And it's not air raid with the label. 
but like it, it still may be some air raid stuff. But he got into specifics like, hey, when we run the ball as well as we ran the ball last year, we've got to be better with run action passes, play action. Um, run action being because they're going to have RPO in there too. They're going to put RPO elements into the offense. JT Daniels told us that at the end of the season, as Neil Brown said, the final three or four games, Neil Brown got more involved in the offense. Finally have an answer there. But it moved away from straight airy, see green, sit down, catch the ball to RPO stuff and mobile quarterback. That's not JT Daniels bag. So you have Mark Hill and you have green and you have RPO stuff now, but you're going to have to run play action. You'll probably see bootlegs and moved pockets and you'll see ways to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, maybe run the ball again and finally pull those linebackers up and get those safeties to flinch. And all of a sudden you hesitate, you backpedal. And then as receivers say, if you're even, you're leaving. And if you can get, level with the linebacker shoulders as a tight end or corners or safety shoulders with a um, as an outside receiver and inside receiver, you're going to get open down the field in the fake. So hesitation is that's poison sometimes at that second and third level in the, in the defense defense. And if West Virginia can create that and take advantage, you're going to see shot plays and explosive plays and passes down the field that should be open and not contested as often as they were last year. Um, and he said, that's kind of how the offense is going to look the best way I could say is if the offense is going to be different, what's it going to look like? It's that you're going to have tight ends going vertical. You're going to have play action passes. You're going to have RPO and it's all going to be built off a strong running game. That's not necessarily new words coming from my mouth or yours, Chris, or anybody who's listened to this before. We've had this discussion. We've had those ideas, but it's out there now. That's what the direction they're going in. It makes sense. And that's something else to look forward to in the spring. How are they going to re-engineer this offense from what it was and what they had built for for a long, long time, not just with Brown, but again, they've been air raid since Holgerson got here. What's it gotten him? Into this situation, right? Get out of it with something different. They have the personnel, they have the coaches, and now they have the approach that we can look forward to in the spring and the fall. That, to me, was maybe as big as anything, even though it was kind of buried in it, and he did not give it a lot of depth and a lot of time, but that was something I could put my hands on right away and say, okay, this is what the offense is going to look like. There's two other little things that caught my eye i'm not trying to move off your thing i think you covered it perfectly and i agree with everything you said but there are two other small things and maybe they're all semantics but it both of them made me kind of perk up simply because of what we do on the site of tracking players in and out of the program uh the first was when he was discussing the transfer portal and he made the you know connection of like a bank account you have deposits you have withdrawals and you want your money in to be better than your money out um, you know, you want the guys coming in to be more or better than who is leaving. And I found it interesting that he said, do you remember how many starters he said they lost? Oh, a handful, four or five. He said they lost two starters. Oh, oh yeah. R wrong conversation. Yeah, my bad. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so he said they lost two starters and I'm looking at the guys out and I mean, this is again it's stupid semantics, but it's just like this is a way you can spin things of you know, kind of hey, how many starters were starters for the final game or for eight games or whatever criteria you want to set it so that it's two? Because you could argue Charles Woods, Michael Laughlin, Reese Smith, JT Daniels, Taj Austin, even though he I mean he lost his starting spot to Sean Martin, so I guess you can't really count him. Caden Prather, Jordan Jefferson. And even Linnell Carr started a bunch of games too. So you're getting up. What was that? What did I just say? Six, seven yeah. starters or part-time starters. Um, I think the two that he's referring to were Prather and Jefferson. Um, 
he didn't say that, but that's my assumption here based on the guys that they were expecting to come back and guys that started, you know, basically all 12 games. And that would be those two. Um, so I think saying you've only lost two starters is a little, little spinny, little spinny. Um, and the other thing along those same lines that caught my attention again, just because we track it and we're trying to keep track of it all. I don't know if he was being hundred percent precise. Like, you know, we're just rounding it when he said 80 scholarships, he said they're at 80 right now. Um, just something to keep an eye on just because I think we have 82 and now one of those is, uh, you know, a guy who's verbally committed. So maybe 81 instead of 82, but there are a couple guys and Neil Brown said it too. Like, you know, they're expecting guys to enter the portal after spring. And we've had guys that aren't even entering the portal that have just kind of retired. So it just, it made me raise an eyebrow. I wonder if he's, he meant 80 specifically 80 and we need to keep an eye on, you know, one guy again, I'm not like talking, you know, Hey, Surprise, Zach Frazier is going to, you know, late entry into the NFL draft or something crazy like that. I'm thinking more along the lines of there might be, you know, a third string guy that's retiring or somebody that was set to come in that's not coming in or something like that. Yeah, um, I'll put my um, my punctuation mark in this. The four or five was the starters they lost last year, he said, right? Yeah, yeah. My bad, confuse those two. But he also talked about how much the portal hurt them last year, which that was not their song they were singing last year. Now, can you do that last year and say, oh, man, what was us? No. Is it easier to come out now and be like, actually, yeah, that kind of stung. Of course, right? Is it an excuse, explanation? That's up to you. I don't know. But he's not going to hire from it. Again, delusional state, not him. But we did talk about that last year. They maybe didn't lose marquee people like, oh, Nick Troy Fortune, oh, Daryl Porter. But like the quantity of players and to some regard, the quality, that really hurt him. And he came out and said that. And then you look what they've lost this year. Maybe it's not as much, but there are some big big holes there they got to fill. That was one. Number two, I, I should have pressed him on this and I wanted to, but we kind of ran out of time and maybe it's something for the future. But he went on the very end. If you go and you you fast forward to like his final question and answer in the on the um, news conference, he's talking about the portal and he, and he makes a point that's very similar to what Bob Huggins made last year, which was that the the transactional state of rosters now really does hurt fans who don't get to see players develop over, you know, maybe five years in a program and two years in the field, maybe four years in the field, whatever. But you get to know somebody from a state that you're from or you're familiar with, or you get to know them through the recruiting process and their interviews. So just think of like a Rodney Gallagher. And if you get to see him here for three or four years, man, you feel like you know that guy. But if he's here for one year and he's gone, eh, whatever. Um, do you really feel like you know Jeremiah Aaron? Probably not. He'll be here at most two years. That kind of stung Brown a little bit too. Like, man, I'm a fan of college sports and I like this this like high school kid comes in and grows and your fans love him and then he's gone. Maybe he has a relationship with school afterwards. And to me, that was a cool answer. And then I think Huggins is the same way sometimes too about that, about what they don't like about this. But man, Chris, earlier in this, and this is unfair, but I caught this right away. The three ways to deal with transfers or three ways to experience transfers. There are players that are going to go on and move for their own reasons because they want to get more playing time. There are players who move on that you don't want to lose and you'd rather keep. And then you got to make room. You got to clear space <laughs> yeah. for, for players you do want. And like those were separated by, I don't know, 30, 25 minutes of the news conference, but darn it, they aren't in the same breath. Like you really want to have players around your program for your program's better if you have people in there for longer. No doubt about that. And is it cool for fans? Absolutely. But when you're dealing with a roster of 85 or 13 players, you have to make space sometimes. And now more than ever, like that is an absolute 
onus on coaches. You have to make sure you're 13, you're 85 or as strong as possible because you can, like you can upgrade all the time at your positions. And that, that's the way it is. That's not a critique of the coaches, but that has got to be a heck of a weight in a person like Neil Brown to be like, man, I really think you could be good in one or two years or three or four years, but you haven't done it yet. And I need to win right now. I got somebody who can come in and be better than you. And, and maybe that's the same for Huggins in the situation in his career and his season right now too, is that, man, maybe you're good in two years. Maybe I don't have that much time. And that's just got to be really, really tough for people who have been in this for a long time, who come from educational backgrounds like Brown. Um, that's, I don't know how they, how they reconcile that with themselves, but to me that stood out as a, a fourth thing. And then again, maybe I should have asked a question. Maybe I still can, but I, I just wonder how much he wrestled with that. That's, that's unfair to him to say that he said that and he, it was something I want to point out, but like I couldn't help notice that he said those two different things and he has to feel strongly about both of them because the sport has left him no other choice right now. Yep. It's a tough thing. And that's, that's something that's been the staple of him as a coach and, and on the specifically on the recruiting trail, like every single recruit that you talk to that comes up for visits that goes to these junior days, it's always, this is a family. These coaches are family. They treat everything like family. They do everything like family, but the nature of the sport makes like your, you know, your dad kicking you out of the house basically. And, and and I'm sure that's tough for somebody like Brown. And that's that. We've spent 40 minutes on a 40 minute news conference. There we go. We didn't want to put up. Neither of us talked for 20 minutes straight. No, we, we could try though. Yeah, I am. I got close one time. <laughs> More coming on the news conference: assistant coaches, roster situations, direction of the offense. So on and so forth. Also got basketball game as narrative week begins, Chris, tomorrow night at Texas Tech. Bob Huggins, a Zoom with reporters here later this morning. We'll have that up on the website. All the information you need to know to get you ready for the game out in Lubbock. Anything coming from you, Chris? Yeah, got recruiting stories lined up all week long. Obviously, you know, put up a couple VIP buzz articles earlier in the week to try to give you a general uh, feel of what guys are saying. But I mean, Mike, you've seen the queue. we got dozens of stories lined up we've talked to a lot of recruits and big official visit starts wednesday um put the story up last night jefferson adam junior college edge rusher got an offer from west virginia in the morning andrew jackson hopped in the car and came straight to his house that evening and then they set up an official visit for wednesday so this again this is how quickly things can move with some of these guys so you got to keep your head on a swivel i mean Again, the Aiden Nelson story, I've told it before. He went from having never even heard from a West Virginia coach to signed and announced by the program in about five days. So head on a swivel this time of year. One thing before we go, I want to say hello to Tim and Donna from Petersburg. They stopped by Press Road before the game, talked about how much they like the press, excuse me, how much they like the Country Roads Confidential even had a nice thing to say about you, Chris. So I wanted to pass it along. I always want to take time to extend a hand to people who extend a hand to me. Uh, also um, on board, Iceman 1982. He did that before. Um, I'm not really a fan of his. He says the things to me that hurt my feelings on the board the other day. So I can't let that go either. But always want to return the favor of people who come up and say, hi, at least I can do to them. Um, and yes, that's me pandering for more affection on Press Row. Until next time, I'm Mike Cassazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. 
This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.